So I'm really excited for hockey season to start. I'm going to watch a lot more hockey. It's going to be great. Hey, that's great. I'm pretty stoked. And you snaked me so many times in that draft, too. (laughs) I'd just be sitting there like, all right, this guy made it this far. I think we're good. And then Zach, right before me, picks him. (laughs) That's actually the only only possible thing I want to do. Three times. I knew it was, was it Truba? Truba was uh, the most annoying one, I think. That guy, uh, and then another defenseman from the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, because you took Truba, and then you took the other defenseman I was going to take on your next pick. Because <laughs> oh. you were like either right after me or right before me, depending on whether we were going up or yeah. down. So I think I picked someone, and then you took Truba, and then with your next pick, which was right before me, took the other defenseman that I was going <laughs> to take after you took Truba. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That's like the that's like the one thing I want to do when I'm in a draft, is just take the stuff that the person <laughs> next to me wanted to get. Yeah, yeah that so, was fun. I'm so excited. Thank you for inviting me to your fancy hockey league. Yeah, I hope I uh, hope you enjoy it. Mm. So, I seem think you have a really good team. So, thanks. I just want to be um, not the worst. Um, and yeah, dunk that's on, always the goal. Right? I want to dunk on whoever <laughs> has been in the league forever and knows a lot of stuff and is doing terribly. That just sounds so great. Yeah, that's always it's always the most fun to make fun of that guy. Yeah, because I <laughs> have guys. Had... I won four years in a row. It's like that's old news, man. You're in last place. You suck. I've had like <laughs> yeah, you're so bad. People come in my um, fo- fantasy football league who've never played before, don't watch football, and just win. And then they just dunk on everybody else. So I really hope that I can be that person for somebody. Else. Yeah, exactly. I was hoping to be that guy in your fantasy football league, but I did not. Well, you won the survivor pool. Yeah, that I that I did win. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Arena Regulars podcast, episode thirteen. I'm Zach and I'm Jeff, and we are regulars on uh, Magic: The Gathering Arena, our favorite bar slash uh, I guess gaming platform <laughs> yeah exactly they serve the best beer have the best game mm-hmm. you know it's like all the beer i like is just there i'm just it's, mm-hmm. it's always great sometimes beer i don't like but i'm happy to try it you know mm-hmm. um anyway uh big stuff going on in the magic world this week called Han spoilers have just dropped so we're going to talk about a few of those and what we can expect from the new set and the first league weekend for Caldheim. It's coming up this weekend, and so we are doing a fantasy draft like we like to do. So I need to regain my honor. Yeah, or just get you know pushed down farther, and you just have you know <laughs> beginner's luck. Um, yeah. yeah, but each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? Well, in honor of Kaldheim, anyone who's been following called time announcements knows that all of the marketing is like around heavy metal i got this all these bands to do preview cards and everything's kind of got that heavy metal style so the beer i brought today is called metalhead because this will be our first look at called it's a double ipa from nickelbrook nine percent and the can is like a person with headphones on and it's kind of drawn in like a metal poster style if you know what i mean it's pretty sick <laughs> what did you bring I brought, um, in honor of your or our uh, hockey fantasy draft, um, I brought a beer from McKinnon Brothers Brewing Company in honor of Nathan McKinnon from the Colorado Avalanche. 
guy who's going to kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing against him this week in my first week, so um, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, this is their eight man. It's an English pale ale. It's five point eight percent, and it has just a picture of this like old timey um, guy who's wearing a polo and he's holding like a rugby ball, whatever those are called. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is just a rugby ball, though. Yeah. But he's just very dapper. A, a dapper athlete. That's back when they used to just, like, drink beer on the sidelines and just, like... Exactly, yeah. Dick around, basically. <laughs> um, uh, sweet. So, um, yes. Like we were saying before, Magic News Call Time Spoilers are officially upon us. Um, we had a little bit in December with the Week of Metal, but now we're really here. And we don't have to worry about leaks anymore, which is great. There are a lot of those. Um, but now we get to just officially look at all the cards. Um, and there's also this great video. I don't know. Did you watch the official, like, announcing, announcing video? They did? I did, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty... I mean, it's really cheesy. Um, and no question. Fairly, fairly hokey. Um, but I definitely... I thought it was worth watching. I mean, some of the other videos that they have shown in the past that are kind of just, like, people sitting on a couch discussing things is, like, very dull. Yeah. Um, so you can tell they put a lot of work in this. Um, yeah, there's some, you know, easy, easy jokes, but I, I like it. You know, people gave it a lot of flack, uh, yeah. social media and stuff and in the Twitch chat while it was premiering. But I think people have to remember that they're trying to market this to all ages. Exactly. So this has to be, this is this is like a metal themed broadcast with a heavy metal band that has to appeal to children. So, you know, and I thought they actually towed that line fairly well. I think well. they did a pretty good job. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the host was Jimmy Wong of the Command Zone, um, who's great with all that kind of stuff. Um, he fully committed, to. He, he was doing the air guitar. I was yeah. like, nice, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's just nice. Um, I think they, they did a pretty good job, and uh, they had some, like, little bloopers and stuff at the end. And, uh, yeah, so I... I, I I wish they, I, I want them to make more like this. Um, I think it's a good way to release it. Um, very family friendly, but still, you know, I, it wasn't, it wasn't like really cringy the way that a lot of people were saying it was, I think. Um, I think my one complaint was that um, some of the preview cards they showed were not on screen for long enough. That actually, I would have to like pause the Twitch stream to read the card. That's exactly, that was my problem. Um, they would go by fairly quickly. I knew I'd be able to see them later. Um, right. But they definitely pushed that uh, really, really quickly. So uh, that was the, the only bad thing, basically. Yeah. Um, they, did, <laughs> they did say that uh, uh, beta, sorry, Arena for mobile is going to be in beta for Android phones starting January 28th. Um, so yeah. awesome. That's so much faster than we thought. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> iPhone users like me have to wait. Don't worry, in a few years, you'll have the iPhone. It's going to be forever. I just feel like I waited through all this stuff, and I finally got Arena, and now they're just going to give me another thing that I can't use for a while. It's so, <laughs> ugh. It should be mentioned, though, it's not all Android phones. Mm. It's like certain, it's only like 20 different phone models. Right. So even Android users, most of them can't use it. I'm unclear on whether or not I can use it because I looked up the phone's Specs. And I have the Samsung Galaxy S20, mm -hmm. and they listed the Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra, which is not my phone, but they also listed the Samsung Galaxy S10, so I was a little confused about why the newer model of huh. the phone wouldn't work unless you went to the high-end version. I Like, it's a brand new state-of-the-art phone, it's just not the Ultra version, huh. 
Huh. So I, was I a don't bit, know. I'm, I'll be a bit surprised if I can't run it, but yeah. ultimately, it seems like I can't because it's not one of the listed phones. Yeah. Strange. Um, I mean, the only reason I want mobile is just so I can check the quests in the store every day without having to go on my computer. Um, that's essentially Honestly, I'd never use it unless I'm like visiting family yeah. and I don't have my desktop. It would just be nice because like, I have to do a whole thing to get mine going. If I could just flip on my phone mm -hmm. and be like, oh, there's something actually good in the store that I want to get, um, right. then I'll be like, it's worth going and getting or whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, how was your week in Arena? It was, it was fairly... Um, it was okay. Fairly uh, uneventful. I yeah. played a... I found this like Boros Tokens deck mm. from a Star City Games event. And so I've been been playing with that a lot. It's actually really fun. And this this player's been doing really well in these Star City game, Games events with Boros Tokens. And the idea of the deck is you... Um, what's the new polymorph? The red... Uh, transmogrify. Card? Yeah, you transmogrify... You have all these token makers, you transmogrify into Harmonious Archon is your only creature, which is a 4-5 flyer that makes two 1-1s one -ones when it comes into play, but then it says all non-Archon creatures are 3-3s. Three so you basically turn everything into 3-3s, three so it's kind of like a plus 2, plus 2 to your whole board, and presumably it weakens your opponent's board. It turns hope, yeah. Lovestruck Beast into 3-3. Three -three. Actually, Lovestruck Beast can never attack because every, there are no 1-1s one yeah. possible. <laughs> So it's it's really fun, and uh, yeah, I had some medium success with it, so that's what I did this past week. Nice. Uh, how about you? Um, uh, yeah, I didn't do a ton. I was just kind of playing uh, like rogues and standard um, a bit, and just, you know, trying to get my, grind my quests out and get some gold. Grind and the quests, And yeah. work, uh, <laughs> you know, there were a couple times, there were, there were some events that I didn't play in because I was trying to save my gold, because I want to mm -hmm. make sure I, I'm hoping All to have, time? yeah, for call time. <laughs> Um, so right now I'm getting close to like three drafts, so that feels pretty good. I don't think I've had that much gold before. <laughs> I always just blow it whenever I can. Yeah, I think I'm pretty close to two drafts, and I have a draft token because I bought the, uh, yeah, the Mastery Pass. So. Oh, see, I'm going to do that, and they also were selling a cheaper one on Christmas Eve, I think, which I bought. I bought a bunch of stuff on there on Christmas Eve, so... <laughs> Wait, you bought a, the Call Time Mastery Pass already? No, no, no. The uh, There's a draft token that was cheap. Oh, a draft token. Oh, I would have bought that if I'd realized. Yeah, so I should have told you. Yeah, it was like, I think it was like 1,300 gems instead. So okay. it was like, it was so you, extremely because cheap. I'm, but. Because I'm definitely going to spend 1,500, 1500 gems on a draft at some point, I may as well. Like, exactly. I would buy that if I yeah. saw it. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's get into some call time spoilers. I feel like we should just kind of start talking about this new set that's been everywhere if you're on the internet. <laughs> what what new set? What are you talking about? Uh, the Viking one? <laughs> Come on. You know, Zach, back in my day, a new set of magic just came out and you had to go to the pre-release. And that's where you opened new cards and were like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Yeah. See, in my day, um, you didn't even know a pre-release was a thing and you just go into the store and there's a new box and you're like, whoa, what's that? And they're like, this has been out for three weeks. And you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a reflection of your day so much as just you. Uh, yeah, it's probably just me. <laughs> I wasn't sure there but were people going to pre-releases for those sets. There definitely were, yeah. Um, aside from how I feel about spoiler season, I don't want to get too much into that. Um, it is nice to see some more cards. And we do have a couple new mechanics we want to talk about. We already said that it's like a Viking... A Norse mythology uh, themed set. 
Um, but we do have two new mechanics uh, that we wanted to talk about. But Jeff, do you want to talk about Fortell? Sure. So Fortell is a mechanic where at any point you can pay two colorless mana. Um, well, during your turn, you can pay two colorless mana and exile a card face down. And then you can play that card later for its foretell cost. So the example is Saw It Coming. This is one blue, blue, counter target spell, and then it has foretell one and a blue. So it's a cancel. This is the classic cancel with the set mechanic stapled to it. Uh, but you can also pay two mana earlier so that you can play it later. A couple of weird things about foretell. It's yeah. during your turn that you cast it face down. Mm -hmm. So... As far as I could tell, you can do that at any time. You can foretell at instant speed. Mm -hmm. It just has to be during your turn. Yeah, that's it. You can do it at end step. You can do it on your upkeep. You can do it whenever. Right. And then it says cast it on a later turn for its foretell cost. So I can't cast, I can't foretell it and cast it for foretell cost on the same turn. Other than that, you know, really interesting mechanic, actually. I'm not, I think it's going to play pretty well. I think it'll play pretty well, especially, um, if you are making a deck and you know on turn two you want to foretell something, that might mm -hmm. uh, change the way that you're building things or drafting things. A lot of people are kind of talking about this as morph, um, mm -hmm. which it kind of spell is. Spell morph. It's a little of. bit like a spell morph because you know morphs all cost like three generic mana to put it face down on the battlefield and it flips up um, whenever you decide uh, for its cost and all that kind of stuff. So I get that. Um, but because it's out, it feels like a, a, a morph between morph and suspend to me. Yeah, it, I was thinking about it, and it actually doesn't really... I don't think it's going to play out like either one. Yeah. The big thing about morph was I had to be really careful what I was attacking into. Exactly. So it rewards me for knowing the morph cards. But the other thing about this one is that like your opponent foretelling something doesn't give you all that much information, mm -hmm. I guess. It's just like, hey, I had a card in my hand that has foretell. Totally. Because it just goes face down. You could still, it could still be a creature. It could be an instant. It could be a sorcery. Yeah. Right there. It, uh, we will foretell cards of any kind. It will be interesting when we get uh, further into the set and we see which ones are constructed playable. Because um, then when they foretell, it might just be like, that's the one. You know, that's the card that everyone yeah. uses. So we will, you know, we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, but I think overall, it seems pretty interesting. Um, I like the design space, and some of the cards have been pretty uh, pretty fun so far. So, yeah. Yeah, and it lends itself really well to control, because control mm -hmm. usually doesn't have much to do on turn two. Like, let's say you're on the play, and your opponent doesn't play a one-drop. Well, just foretell something now. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, the next mechanic we're going to talk about that's new for the set is called Boast. All right, Boast is an activated ability that you can activate only if... So it's on a creature, and you can only activate the ability if the creature attacked this turn. And you can only activate it once. So you can't just attack and then activate it four times. And then just right? boast the rest of the turn. Right. Both, 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 exactly. both, both. You just boast once. You just boast um, once. Even if you get multiple combat steps, it's worth noting. Oh, that is worth noting. Interesting. So we decided we were going to show uh, Varagoth Bloodsky Sire. It's two and a black for a two, three legendary creature demon rogue with death touch. It has boast one and a black. Target player searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. So it's like a vampiric tutor, not a creature. It's a two mana vampiric tutor yes. that you have to attack with and you have to do it at a very specific time. But you don't lose two life. So. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. 
This boast is an interesting mechanic. I'd like to see a little more, like, oomph on it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm interested in seeing something uh, with a really strong boast ability that has evasion, like a flyer. Yeah. Uh, this card seems kind of bad to me. It's just, maybe it's good in, like, Commander or something, but it, in Standard, it's just not enough i don't think i mean it has good types it's a rogue i like so that it's a rogue that's basically the, the one reason i picked that one because but, but rogues really doesn't want to spend three mana or two mana for that matter at sorcery speed no like but ever. a party member <laughs> rogue would yeah possibly right. be more yeah, interesting. Yeah, so maybe in this is good party yeah so yeah. maybe it's the rogue that finds the rest of your party and then <laughs> people might yeah. not want to block it because of a death touch who knows i think generally people get too excited about bad tutor effects but mm -hmm. that's what this is to me it's a bad tutor <laughs> anyway we're going into snow is coming back so yeah snow has been around it came in ice age and then cold snap and then there was some snow in modern horizons and now it's here in standard once again and it's actually interesting because the reason it took them so long to make a norse mythology inspired set is because they felt like it would be too similar to those sets interesting uh, Ice Age and Cold Snap, which were Scandinavian-inspired already. Okay. And so it just makes sense that Snow is coming back here. It's been a long time since we've had it in a standard legal set. It was in, like, a modern-only set mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, but... Yeah. I never have really played with Snow myself, so I know people love it. Yeah, but... so basically what Snow is, it's it just... Um, they make it so that you... All the lands are... Um, sorry... The lands in the set are all snow-covered something. So snow-covered It's like a planes. super type, right? Yeah, it's like a super type for your land. So all your lands tap for the, the color of mana that they tap for, but they also tap for snow, which is just like represented by like a snowflake symbol on certain cards. Um, and that a lot of the cards depend on how many snow permanents you have. So a lot of the time people feel like it's just kind of a land deck because most of the time it's getting the most effect from all your snow lands. Um, which will be interesting because, you know, we had Zendikar just before this, so I wonder if there's going to be, like, a snow landfall type of thing going on. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, artifact synergy stuff. Oh, this cares about how many artifacts you have. This cares about... Mm -hmm. and, and then you have artifact lands that yeah. were so good they had to get banned. The nice thing is that it's not it's not just going to get grow with every set because most sets don't have snow permanence so it's taking that idea of oh artifacts that care about other artifacts and cutting away the problem of this is going to get way too good as we print a good artifact in every set mm -hmm. after a couple of years this mechanic is too good totally um the one thing to say about snow is that a lot of people get upset because uh snow lands are considered just inherently better than basics um, that are not snow covered, right. uh, so that well, can aren't they aren't they basics though? They are basics, um, but by not playing snow covered, whatevers, um, you're giving information to your opponent that you don't have any cards that care about snow in them. Um, and there's yeah, but I mean, like the rule that Wizard said is nothing is better than basic land, strictly better, and these are basic these, lands. Yes, so they're they're not better than basic lands because oh, they are. Oh, okay. Lands. All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. My bad. So these are basic lands that are better than the other basic lands that we <laughs> yeah. have. Yeah. For the most part, Snow Covered Island is better than Island, right? Yeah. Although I played the only time I've played Snow Permanence was in a Gifts Ungiven deck, which asks you to search for things of different names. And you want him to be able to get an island and a snow-covered island in case you were missing them. So I would play, like, 
some snow covered islands and some interesting (laughs) very cool i mean the only time i used to know is i had bought a uh a demir snow deck in cold snap because i was like what is this then i opened it i was like what is happening and i was so confused um but i thought it was pretty cool there was like an owl that cared about your snow stuff and i was like this is kind of cool um but the best card in it was like a removal spell that just says destroy target non-snow creature i was like sick (laughs) (laughs) this kills so much stuff (laughs) yeah but when you're up against the snow deck it's pretty bad it's pretty bad but I was just banking on none of my friends having any other snow cards, so right. uh, it ended up working out for me. Um, besides that, the other mechanics are basically the modal double face cards and uh, sagas. So we've yeah. seen those, we know what those do, um, and they're great. But yeah, so let's get move on maybe to some themes and archetypes yeah. we're starting to see pop up. I think, yeah, we wanted to talk about what types of things might we see in Standard and Historic after this set released. Uh, now, obviously, these aren't guarantees, and we're going to talk about stuff that this set brings, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not going to talk about what card I think goes into the Sultai deck in Historic, because yeah. there's the fun in that. Exactly. So let's just talk about uh, new stuff that this set is bringing. New things. And, of course, we're not all the way through previews, so we don't know what's going to be good, what's going to be bad. There's probably a bunch of themes that we haven't seen yet. Right? Exactly. Or themes that seem, like, not supported, and then they'll show us all the cards later, and we'll be like, oh, okay, I gotcha. Right. And Kaldheim's bringing a ton of new, like, themes, right? It's got just so many different tribes, and it's got snow stuff, like we were just talking about, and it's got this foretell mechanic and some sacrifice synergies going on. Like, it just has a ton, so. Yeah. I I think the one thing that I want to start with is the tribal aspect. So, it's kind of a tribal set, in the sense that there are like, there are tribal elements to it. Oh, we care about elves, or we care about giants, or we care about shapeshifters. But there are so many different tribes that it won't really feel like a tribal set in the standard sense because each tribe will only have, like, 8 to 10 cards, right? Because there's 10 tribes plus the gods you could consider a different tribe. So there's just so many different creature types that they're focusing on that it, it won't really feel like a tribal set. It'll more feel like little pockets of tribal synergy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cause we have the, there's different tribes that are in each of the different realms, right? Right. Yeah. And then, and then gods can be considered a tribe as well. Kind of there's, because that's a predominant creature type that's going to show up. Yes. So we're just going to talk about the tribes we're most excited about, but obviously there's, you know, 10 of them, maybe 11 if you want to count gods. So, Jeff, do you so, want to talk about your favorite one that we got right up here first? I think, think I've already mentioned it, but I'm super excited for Golgari Elves. So this is um, the green-black realm uh, is where the elves reside. And so let's just, let's just start with kind of the marquee card. Yeah. Tyvar Kel. Uh, it's two green-green for a Planeswalker. Elves you control. It has a static ability. Elves you control have... Tap to add one black mana. Plus one is put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target elf. Untap it against death touch until end of turn. Zero, create a one one green elf for your creature token. And the ultimate minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast an elf spell, it gains haste until end of turn and you draw two cards. So this is, I mean, coming out the gate's pretty strong, right? It's really interesting that it lets elves tap for black because the usual elf thing is they're all green, and yeah. you just want to play and just tap for lots green. and lots of elves. So I really like that it makes them tap for black, mm-hmm. and it's a double green card itself. And its other abilities just seem really good. Zero to create a, 
L4 here, and then plus one, exactly what you want. But it doesn't get you like too, too much for four mana if you're not taking advantage of that static ability. Totally. Yeah, I definitely agree. I also like that um, it does ramp you in just the way that it untaps a, one of your elves, which is kind yeah, of a exactly. fun way to be like, oh, I'll tap this for a black, I'll untap it. And he gets uh, a plus one, plus one counter, and then you can either tap it again or attack with that now that it has death touch. So I was thinking about that first ability is too much about combat-oriented, right? Mm -hmm. um, plus one, plus one, and death touch. That's not the best plus one, especially since elves tend to be small. Yes. But then I realized, wait, it turns it into a mana dork and then untaps it, so you can tap it twice. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a pretty good... Like, you could play this, and if you have any elf in the same turn, you could play, like, a two-mana removal spell heartless act or something mm -hmm. as a plus one which seems pretty good yeah i'm just super excited about elves black green as you know is my favorite color combination <laughs> it is uh and i've had fun with elves decks since i was a kid i think it was the first deck i really built myself and i just went off with elves gaining a ton of life and you know like every elf cared about how many elves you had and mm -hmm. so it really tended to snowball but I actually think that in this set, the spoilers so far, it seems like it's less about just snowballing with elves into a combo, which mm -hmm. is what elves has traditionally been about, and more about kind of value-driven green-black cards. Yeah. Like if we look at Herald, King of Skemfar, it's a one-black-green for a 3-2 elf warrior, legendary creature elf warrior with menace. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You can reveal an elf, warrior, or Tyvar card from among them and put it into your hand, and you put the rest on the bottom in your random order. So it's kind of just a 3-2 menace, like, decent body. Not great, but it picks you up a free elf card, basically. Mm -hmm. Or your Planeswalker that we just talked about. Yeah, or... It fits in your party deck, and you find more warriors. And it's a warrior, yeah. <laughs> I really like how they did that, too. There's a lot of, like, each tribe seems to be a secondary type going on, too. And so it's each card's almost double tribal. Yeah, except for all yeah. of the berserkers that are around that we talked about earlier, saying they better not make a bunch of berserkers. And they did. There's a bunch of berserkers. <laughs> but they've made warriors, too. Yeah, so there's both. It's not just replacing warriors yeah. and there's berserkers. There are both warriors and berserkers, so... That is kind of fast. Uh, and then there's other stuff uh, like Herald Unites the Elves, cool saga for the elf domain. And a, there was an elf lord that got previewed. Mm -hmm. Very cool stuff. So I'm excited. I don't know if the deck will come together necessarily because uh, there aren't the best elves already in standard. So you don't have a lot to choose from. But I'm hoping there are enough good elves in this set and enough good changelings in this set. And then just enough good green and black cards from previous sets to bring everything together. Yeah. Uh, how about you? What tribe are you most excited about? Um, well, as far as tribes go, um, well, you were just talking about um, changelings, right? So uh, blue-green mm -hmm. is kind of like a changeling. It looks like that's what they're kind of going towards, so they can be kind of anything. So we were talking earlier that kind of seems like um, having a tribe that touches blue or green seems like a really smart idea because there are going to be a ton of changelings that you just put in your deck that fit into those uh, tribes already. So the Golgari elves already you have, you're touching green, boom. You have a bunch of elves plus all these changelings that are technically elves uh, that you can use. Right. So the tribe that I was kind of looking towards that seemed most interesting to me was actually, is it giants? Partly because, nice. well, giants are cool, but also because they touch blue and blue is changeling, so we have a bunch more giants to go in with that. Um, 
But the, the two, I don't normally like red cards. I don't know why I picked two red cards. They just seem like the coolest <laughs> things. Um, but I wanted to show uh, Calamity Bearer, which is two red red for a three four giant berserker. Berserker, great, awesome, whatever, that's fine. Um, it, and all it is is uh, if a giant source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead. Um, so it's another thing that just like, Doubles up your, your damage for that. But mainly, he just has these sweet, molten, like, bowling ball things in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> I, I require judge clarification on this card. I need to know if Stomp is a giant source. Yes. See, that is one thing that comes up. Is giant, or sorry, is Stomp a giant spell? Because it's... I think it's not. I think it's that not. That would be... This, this it, card would be freaking awesome yeah. if it was. Because <laughs> then you just... <laughs> Just start smashing. That would be dope. Um, but it's a flavor fail because the the flavor is a giant stomping on you. Yeah. So this should double it. Right? <laughs> but I don't know. I guess not. It would have to say like tribal sorcery, right? Giant on on uh, stomp. Yeah, exactly. So that'd be just a random thing. But hey, your bone it. crusher deals eight. Yeah. Well, so or you if go. you target bone crusher, it will deal four. Yeah. There you go. Hey. Okay. I feel that. All right. <laughs> Um, the other one I just wanted to quickly bring up was uh, Quakebringer. It's three red-red for a 5-4 giant berserker. Uh, it just says your opponents can't gain life. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, Quakebringer deals two damage to each opponent. And this ability triggers only if Quakebringer is on the battlefield or if Quakebringer is in your graveyard and you control a giant. Also, it has Foretell for two red-red. Wow. That's a, that's a hell of a card. That, I, I was so unimpressed reading the spoiler until it said, or if it's in your graveyard. Yeah. Like, oh, no. That is good. So it's like, okay, <laughs> I killed this thing. That's fine. It's just going to keep going. You have to kill all my giants. And if my other giant is just this <laughs> Calamity Bearer, I'm just dealing four to you <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I just want to, like, mill this in red-black yeah. on turn two and just be paying them for two every turn. <laughs> like, that's awesome. I am so yeah. down for this. Um, and there's a lot of other giants, like the, the Frost Giants are kind of, um, they're really interested in instants and sorceries, which is a classic, is it archetype? Um, but I do like that they have this kind of thing in here. I wasn't, when I think giants, I don't initially think is it. So it's kind of nice to have this like tribal is it that isn't all instant sorcery stuff. It has this other thing going on. Um, so yeah, and, and the thing about the giants is there was already a bunch of totally solid giants printed in throne of Eldraine. yeah obviously the headliner is bone crusher giant which is currently like the best card in standard so and but there's also other giants people already play like uh fertile footsteps into beanstalk giant that Boom. that uh, card so you know naya or jess guy or one of these giants you know like tricolor could be really good because you're picking up you have a lot of old stuff to build on, exactly. which was my issue with elves. Is like there's a few elves like Rada is an elf, mm -hmm. and, but it's like but you're gonna play Jund nothing elves? amazing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know for all I want to do is, is play Just Guy Giants and have um, yeah. <laughs> Realm Cloak Giant and uh, just wipe the board and do all this crazy stuff. It sounds great to me. So that yeah. is my plan. So, so those are the tribes we're excited about. Uh, we do have the tip of look for tribes that have either green or blue in them. Yes. Right? Smart. So that you have enough. Because, again, there's so many tribes that each individual tribe is going to be a bit short and might need the help of these shapeshifters. Mm -hmm. Or look for tribes that 
are building upon cards that are already good and standard, like Giants. So Giants hits both of those notes, and so is, uh, is one to look out for. Exactly. And there's a whole bunch of other archetypes we could talk about, there too. There are. Like this Fortel control deck, mm -hmm. you know, we mentioned a little earlier. I think the red-black deck that's popped in and out of standard is getting a lot of new tools. It definitely is. Um, so that'll be pretty sweet. I do like that uh, the Tybalt that switches into the... Or it could be the creature or the Planeswalker. It's pretty sweet. But um, we probably only have time to talk about one other archetype. Yeah, and I think the one that we should talk about is probably the five-color legendary one. That we kind of has to be right. That that's just, yeah. If, if this is a thing, that's awesome. But just the fact that it's, you know, they're they're kind of hinting that this is a thing. Yeah, it's like five color gods almost. It's yeah. pretty sweet. Right. Um, do you want to read the first card for us? Yeah. So this is kind of well, I don't know if it's the emblematic card because there's also the, with the world tree. But this is kind of the card that first got me thinking about this. So this is Isika, God of the Tree. It's one green green for a legendary creature god. It's a 1-4 with vigilance, taps to add one mana of any color, and other legendary creatures you control have vigilance and add one mana of any color. Uh, tap to add one mana of any color. So just on the face of it, that side, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like it's uh, just as a one green green for a something that taps any color and is a 1-4. One 1-4 four. One four is pretty important because it doesn't. there's a lot of things that don't kill it. Mm -hmm. And it also turns any of your other... Presumably you're in a legendary creature-heavy deck with this. Turns everything else into uh, basically, you know, taps, tapping the, yeah. for any color. I mean, yeah. if we were already excited that Tyvar, a 4-CMC card, would turn everything into a mana dork for black, this does it for 3, but everything's any color right. you want. Yeah, the only concern is, like... Will you have a one mana and two mana legendary creature to help this so out. that you could play this on turn three and then get mana right away? And then play a six. Elves six. is more likely to do that than legendary creatures. This is true. Um, this is very true. But that's not all. As you know, all gods in this set are double faced. So the other side is the prismatic bridge. It's a legendary enchantment. It costs white, blue, black, red, green. Wooberg. And at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature or planeswalker card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest of the bottom of your library in a random order. Holy crap. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that is paying you off. If you go Isika, so the front face, on turn three, it doesn't seem that hard to play the Prismatic Bridge on turn four, other than you need a second copy of this card to do it. Yeah. And then... You're just revealing stuff for free, and you're in a legendary creatures deck, and so they're all probably awesome. And they just go straight onto the battlefield. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, I think this is pretty sweet. It's definitely worth trying to kind of play this deck because uh, it seems pretty fun. Also, I know, I mean, now is this going to be good? Probably. Oh no! It actually in historic we do have Reese the Redeemed, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which is a one mana legendary. One drop. Yeah. It just it. Begging to be built. It basically, what this card looks like is like, please build me. Um, if wizards, if wizards did things right, this deck is like competitive tier two. Because I think it would be a nightmare if this is the best deck. If you had to see this happen every single game, yeah, you just feel like imagine way too this card powerful. with Omnath. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was the <laughs> so ridiculous. That and was th supposed to go in this deck. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
oh, absurd. It's, it's so nasty. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's... And, and I feel like we, we got to read the world tree. What's the world tree? Okay, so the world tree, lots, lots of controversy over this card. Um, it's a land. The world tree. Land. Uh, Wait, you mean legendary land, right? No, no, no. It's just land. It's just a land. Oh, it's, but... the, it's the world tree, but it's it's not legendary. Don't worry about it. It's oh. fine. Uh, there's okay. there's some stuff about it. It makes sense. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so it did, enters. Did the... you just forget to put legendary on the card? Uh, no, I didn't. No, uh, okay. I didn't forget. Um, I just think, <laughs> you know, it's there's many mana bonds uh, you could have to different places, and uh, you can have multiple mana bonds to the world tree. So um, technically, technically, it uh, doesn't have to be legendary. So. Yeah, anyway, so the world tree enters the battlefield tapped. It taps for green. And then as long as you control six or more lands, you uh, lands you control have add one mana of any color. Okay, all right, seems fine. Then you can play <laughs> four. <clears throat> it has an activated ability. For white, white, blue, blue, black, black, red, red, green, green, tap it and sacrifice the world tree. You can search your library for any number of god cards, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Yeah. Cool. Wow. <laughs> so it's door to nothingness, right? It's two of each color to win the game. Basically, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, technically, yeah. you, you could do it with no gods in your deck. And <laughs> <laughs> so Then it wouldn't be, is that what you're saying? Then it wouldn't, it wouldn't be door to nothingness, yeah. Yeah, no, this card seems really cool. I like that it requires six lands in order to make things tap for any color. Yep. That seems pretty balanced. Mm -hmm. But we'll have to see. Like like I said, if this deck is really, really good, if this is the top deck in the format, this thing is going to be a nightmare because it's just going to be a way to win the game for free. Exactly. In addition to them, you know, if their primary game plan doesn't work out, they just have this, oh, my land wins the game backup plan, which has never historically been bad. But uh, it is 10 mana, two of each color. I think this in it, in its own right isn't busted. But if the deck archetype itself is too strong, this thing could be yeah. kind of a nightmare because you can have four of them exactly uh, in your decks. So. And on the battlefield at the same time. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I know we were kind of joking about that now being legendary. Um, Gavin Verhey did put out a, uh, a video on Monday of this week just kind of explaining why they did that. And it is worth checking out, so I'll put it in the show notes just to listen to him. Exp like He didn't make the card, but he explained why they had that conversation and wouldn't have done that. Um, it doesn't, I'm not buying it. It doesn't make me feel like <laughs> totally better, but it did show some examples of like, Hey, remember this thing that wasn't legendary either. Or remember this thing, you know, and just kind of, <clears throat> so that was kind of nice. And I, um, it made me feel a little bit better. Like they were actually having this conversation and talking about it and knowing that they wanted to make sure that, uh, if you didn't draw three of these in your opening hand, you just can't, uh, you have one land yeah, in your hand. Just don't put four in your deck. I, I think that they did have the conversation. I believe them on that. I think they came to the wrong conclusion. This thing has to be legendary. It's the world tree. It's a world where this thing is the center of their universe that connects ten different realms. How is there more than one of these things? Because it's just your mana bond with the world tree. It is not <laughs> the physical world tree. Then why can't I have ten? <laughs> <laughs> One for each uh, yeah, so 
Um, I also always hated that Valakut wasn't legendary, you know, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. a lot of these examples they're pointing to is like, yeah, but I thought you were wrong there too. So <laughs> they made sure not to point to that one. <laughs> they pointed because at because nobody other agrees stuff. with them on that one. Yeah. That one they did just forget. I think usually they put it on like uh, uh, colorless lands. Is most of the time that that most of the examples they had were just like uh, Inventors Fair or. Um, yeah, but an Inventor's stage. Fair is not a unique event. Like, neither is a thespian stage. <laughs> so, um, and it, it definitely is more of a, uh, they're, they're focusing on the, the game aspect and not the flavor aspect as far as that goes. Yeah, I get that. There's but, a lot of people uh, that are mainly mad about the flavor, and I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see if it's busted. If it's not busted, then I'm like, yeah, have as, you know, try as hard as you can to get there. But... If it was busted, then everyone's going to be upset. Um, but that yeah. happens no matter what. So what are you going to do? I don't do? think this card is busted, but no. if the deck is too good and they're allowed to play four of this backup plan card, then that would be annoying. Oh, my beer is done. I need another beer. All right. Let's, so let's, uh, let's take a beer break. Let's do that. All righty. Jeff, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Eight Man by McKinnon Brothers. Eight Man. Uh, How many mans is that? I think it's a rowing thing. Oh, really? There's a like rugby a, dude on the front. Are there eight oh, dudes in rugby? You're right, you're right. I think it's rugby. Sorry, the can is facing the wrong way. Ah, I see. Yeah, it's got to be something to do with rugby. Totally, totally. But it's an English-style pale ale. Yeah. It's metalhead. That's nice. Oh, yeah. Okay, it has like an Easter Island kind of dude looking almost. Easter Egg Island. What is it? Easter he- Easter Egg Head Island? I actually don't know what you're talking about, but... Those statues uh, in like South oh, America? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like... Kind of like, like the Mayan Incans yeah, statue? But they're like the East, Easter Egg. No, Easter Head. I don't know. <laughs> but he has like a mohawk. <laughs> anyway... Great. Double IPA. Tasty. Um, But we'll talk about that later. So we're going into the Kaldheim League weekend number one fantasy draft. Here we go. Um, Jeff, what are are we doing? What are fantasy drafts? What's a league weekend? What's going on? Man, that's a lot of questions, Zach, but I'm happy to tackle them. Uh, Yeah, so the first thing, what is a league weekend? So the league weekends are basically how pro magic play works. Um, there's league weekends and then big tournaments called championships and so it's split into three seasons and we're in the second season now the Kaldheim season we just started the split car rising let's do it yeah so there will be two league Kaldheim league weekends in the Kaldheim season and basically what it is is every player in the professional league so that's the MPL Magic Pro League and the Rivals League will over the course of the season will play every other player, mm-hmm. right? But in this weekend, uh, the MPL players will play half of their opponents. Yeah. And the Rivals players will play like a quarter. Because there are 24 people so, in the MPL and there are 48 people in the Rivals League. So, Oh, no, sorry. There are 46. 46. Crap. <laughs> there are 46 <laughs> people in the Rivals League because Emma Handy right. and Jessica Estevan are no It's a recent there. change. It's understandable. But yeah, so they'll play, I think, uh, 12 matches. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? This weekend? Yeah, I think it's 12. Yeah, and uh, uh, for this league weekend, um, the other ones were standard, but this one is historic. So Right. 
big difference. Now, I know you're excited about all those Kaldheim cards we're talking about. You want to see them in the Kaldheim League weekend. Yeah, because what, what kind of cards will they get what, to see? What's better than, you know, seeing new cards and then seeing pros play new cards? Um, you know right. what's better? Pros playing the same cards they've been playing because Kaldheim... Same old stuff. Yeah, hasn't been released yet. So it yeah. is the Kaldheim League weekend, but there are no Kaldheim cards in the tournament. So it's kind of like a send off, I suppose, to the previous format. <sighs> kind you know, of before Kaldheim gets released. It just feels weird that it's called Kaldheim League weekend. A little strange. Um, yeah, I got a little yeah. confused. Definitely thought the set was coming out closer to now <laughs> because we had that information yeah. about this league weekend first. But right, it's all good. I, I kind of get it. Right, they don't want to shake up the format like right before they can't release it two days before the yeah i imagine that oh by the way you have a no time to practice here you go what's your deck list as exactly before the the cards come out what's your deck list (laughs) as as fun as that would be for us it would be (laughs) to see what they come up with i mean if that was an extra thing they did like in the off season that sounds great to me right yeah though i guess when people's you know careers are staked on it yeah not so great not the best um, anyway, so with this, basically, um, on Saturday and Sunday, they do a bunch of, you know, all their different, uh, games that are going to be happening. And, uh, usually on Saturday they show rivals and Sunday they show the MPL. And because of this, me and Jeff like to have our own fantasy league for this. Um, so right now we started, um, in the second league weekend for Zendikar Rising, uh, which Jeff won somehow. Uh, hey. And then I won the Zendikar Rising Championship League draft. <laughs> Lucky. I mean, I had to let him win one, or it would just yeah. be too dominant to start. Except for I just like smoked you. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so right now it's <laughs> one and one. And Jeff, what does the winner get at the end of all of this? The winner gets a weird two four. I'm assuming everyone knows what a two four is. I have but, no you know, idea for what those that is. You... What is that? <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know, a 2-4 is a sort of Canadian slang for a 24-pack of beer, 24 case. Uh, so by weird, I mean that the loser is going to like make a curated 24 beer selection of stuff that, oh, well, let's leave it up to them, you know? They could pick something that they think the winner would hate or something that they think the winner would love or... A beautiful blend of both. Yeah. I'm thinking all macro brews, anything that tastes like... Uh, <laughs> You're just going to get me a case of like Molson Canadian. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to make you a case of Molson Canadian-ish with a bunch of other... It's like Budweiser, Bud Light. You, then you have like the yeah. low-calorie one. There's the gluten-free one. There's the non-alcoholic one. <laughs> and there's, yeah. For all of No the duplicates. Ones. No but duplicates. all Molson. But all garbage. <laughs> It's the bronze All package. All bronze team. Yeah, it's what it is. <laughs> the bronze package, exactly. <laughs> um, that is my plan. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. That's terrible. So uh, basically how this works for us is that we pick three MPL players. Actually, sorry. Before I do this, we have changed our rules a little bit, slightly. Um, yeah, for our long-term listeners here, know that. Yeah, so the, the scoring system before, we've changed it a little bit because we feel like it's not perfect yet, and we want to keep pushing to excellence. Right, like Zach somehow won the second fight, so... <laughs> so obviously the, the scores, yeah. oh, for sure, for sure. Um, anyway, so we've decided we will pick three MPL players, four Rivals players, and then you get points for the highest meta and the top performance, but we're changing that, so basically... You get one point per win for each MPL or Rivals win that they get for your players. Uh, You get two points if you guess the correct highest meta, and then two points if you beat the other person's highest meta. 
and then you get two points for uh, having picked the top performing deck and two more points if you beat that person's guess for highest performing deck. Uh, so basically, right. we just changed it from one point to two point for those, so those matter more, and added an extra Rivals member to kind of balance it out a little bit so um, you could you know, win right. in a different category. Because the Rivals is such a big league. We kept having players we really wanted to pick but couldn't because we only got three choices. Yeah, because there's so many. There's twice as many, and we're like, well, we can't do twice as many Rivals, but we'll just add one and see where that is, and you know, maybe we'll change yeah. it up next time. It's our game, so we can do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> But we do encourage you to play at home and see if you can beat us. Um, yeah, pick pick your own personal uh, dream team there and see if you can get more points than we did. Yeah, because um, you probably can. <laughs> In all honesty, you can. Uh, but with that, Jeff, I think it's time for the coin toss. The toonie toss? The toonie toss. Oh, man, that's so good. <laughs> well, we got to keep remembering that. All right, so you call it in the air, and then I will uh, change it to whatever I want because I'm on a computer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're on Zoom. You could easily do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so ready for it? Here we go. Yeah. Tails. It is Tails. <gasps> Whoa. Wow, is that the first time Tails you... never fails except for the other two Wait, times. Wait, real quick. It's games. the polar bear, right? That's Tails. Because polar yeah. bears have tails. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I think they have a really little tail. There. Little little stubby one. All yeah, right. The queen does not have a tail. So. Um, <laughs> I actually cannot <laughs> say that with certainty. <laughs> um, anyway, so Jeff, would you like to pick the first MPL player or defer? I will be deferring the pick. Oh, my gosh. Wow. We really, really? Wow, this is crazy. We keep doing that. Is it really worth it that much? <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I, I thought about this a lot, what happens if I win the flip, and it was a close call, I think, because both leagues both leagues have two excellent players that are at the top of the standings right now who mm -hmm. are having great seasons. I've decided I want the Rivals pick. Okay. All right, well, you gave me just enough information uh, that I know I have to pick arguably the best player in Magic, uh, probably... Um, he was best player two years in a row, I'm fairly certain, and he has a new YouTube channel that is Paolo Vitor Dama de Rosa. Come on yeah, down. Falling right into my trap, I expected that pick. <laughs> Do you know what your next pick is? I, of course I know. <laughs> Let me clickety-clackety, clickety-clackety. <laughs> somebody who has been an absolute master recently, a French Hall of Famer, I mean, who else could I pick other than Gabrielle Messi? This is so funny that I, I said we're, we picked the, the, the person that we're <laughs> guessing is going to win the whole thing, the other person to vote for it. That's hilarious. Um, man, these are so predictable now. We just know. It's, it is hard because I want to pick different people, but I know if I do that, you're just going to pick all the, the ones that are going to get the most points. But we're at a, like, it's different than when we started because we're at a point now where the league standings are a little more meaningful. It's like it's true. literally reflective of how well people have been doing recently. Exactly, as opposed to the beginning. Um, so with that, I think my next pick will be someone who has five GP top eights and is a two-time GP winner and winner of the Spark Split Division from last year. This person's from Japan, Rei Sato. Nice pick. I, I mean, he's the one that I've been curious. I don't think either of us have picked him yet. Exactly. And I thought, it, you know, it's just time. It's time to pick Rei. You know what? I hate, to, I hate to just be the Team France guy, but I think this is the way I had to go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so... 
I mean, this is a Magic World Cup winner uh, 2018 for Team France, and uh, he's gone to the World Championship, done well at Mythic Championships. He's done well at every level. Uh, he's kind of a bit of an up-and-comer relative to a lot of the people in this league, but I'm choosing Jean-Emmanuel de Praz. Okay, all right. That is actually one of the ones I was debating over for a while, actually, uh, and then uh, changed my mind. Um, Every time I've watched him, I've just been really impressed. Yeah. So I've, I've been wanting to choose him, but there's, you know, so many great players and so few choices. Exactly. This is the first time I'm actually getting around to it. Yeah, I wonder... Yeah, well, we'll you know we'll tweak things. Maybe we should just add more players all together and just have bigger teams. We each just choose half the league like, <laughs> each time. Um, cool. Well, my next pick and my last pick for the MPO players. Uh, Don't snake me like you did in fantasy hockey. Uh, I think this is gonna snake you. Um, just kidding. It will not. Um, with uh, five GP top eights and four top finishes, this is the winner of the Mythic Championship number six from the Czech Republic, Andre Strasky. Was actually gonna take Strasky. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's. <laughs> uh, okay, it's okay. I have a plan. So this is somebody that's. It's also unbelievable. I haven't picked this person yet, as I'm a huge, huge fan. Pro Tour Hall of Famer, uh, 23 GP top eights, and just all around great guy. Like someone you want to emulate as a magic player i'm going to be putting reed duke on my team yep great player great great player i thought you were going to take Manguchi. well i'm trying to diversify mm -hmm. my picks a little bit totally um, i guess i've just uh, been I, obviously Manguchi was my top performer last last time, around, time. But. so I, I actually had him on my list I, I started following him on all my uh social media platforms and he is just so mm -hmm. fun and funny he like, yeah oh no he's super he's fun to follow and he's always posting like pictures of this awesome looking italian meal yeah it's always just like pasta home. meals and like yeah. decks that's basically the whole thing it's, it's awesome i'm like this i know it's like my two favorite things he's such a chill dude too um yeah. anyway so you get if, to pick if you ever first. get the chance to catch his stream he's really funny the only problem is because of the time zones it's oh, kind right. of like early really early morning for us or really late at night right i heard that he he yeah it's like four or five a.m start time oh really I was hearing that he did some that was kind of like maybe midnight or one, and he would start at oh. then. Um, for oh, that'd us. be cool because I, I oh. would actually be able to catch the start of that. Yeah. I've been normally getting like the tail end of his stream at like eight, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it seems uh, seems great. He he seems super awesome. So um, great, but with the rivals league members, Jeff, you get to start us off. Uh, take him, just take him away. Yeah, I mean, this man deserves, you know, there is no introduction that can do him justice. No. Uh, he's just one of the best players in the game and widely considered to be one of the best players of all time. I'm choosing Luis Scott Vargas as my first Rivals League selection. Yep, there he goes. One of the uh, resources, not only limited but constructed and uh, different, uh, lots of different things. His skills are both limited and constructed. Hey, just like us. <laughs> We're him. We're the same. His skills are less limited than ours, but... Yeah. Um, so, uh, this player um, has uh, three PT top eights and is a GP winner and a finalist at Mythic Championship number two. This person's from San Francisco, California in the United States of America, Matt Sperling. Yeah, great, great pick. That's what I mean, right? Like, 
he's also doing extremely well. Yeah. So there's just kind of two players a little bit ahead of the pack in both both leagues. So you it's, you just do yourself a disservice if you don't pick them because then the other player is just mm-hmm. going to pick them and then you have no running backs on your team. Or sorry, you have no centers on your team. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's not like we've had a ton of sample size. I mm-hmm. do think some of the lower-seeded players are going to be sort of more incentivized to really come out and kick ass. And, exactly. Because you know. this is really the high time they need to start going especially some of those mpl players that are like i need to stay in the mpl man i'm trying to make sure i don't you know fall out of this um but what's your next uh, rivals pick okay so my next rivals pick i actually don't know too much about them because they don't even they don't have a profile up on the website mm. so i don't know their their career list but uh in preparation for this i kind of browsed around on twitter and everything i found was just talking about how incredible of a player this is and he's having a great season tied for fourth place currently japanese pro player shintaro ishimura yeah okay all right i see you i see this um okay cool i feel like my rivals players are a little um a little all over the place possibly but that's what's cool about the Rivals League picks, yeah. right? Like, there's so many interesting people because it's such a, it's twice as big as the other league. Yeah, so it's, like, really hard. You, you, man, there's a lot to do, but um, I think this is, yeah, let's go here. Okay. <clears throat> this person has five GP wins and is a player who is once in the MPL and is looking to get their way back there. Not only the combo master himself, but someone who has beaten me. So that, you know, big props to that because they had to defeat the, the wrath that I am. Um, this person's from the U.S. of A, Matt Nass. Very nice. I just wanted to make my team team Matt is what my plan was. <laughs> it's actually funny that you picked him because my next pick is also somebody that I've had the pleasure of losing to. Ooh. Uh, it's somebody I've lost to in a Star City Games uh, competitive event. Uh, it was a close match, though. I want to give myself props for that, but I did lose. Uh, this person has uh, two GP wins, multiple GP top eights, top finish at Mythic Champion 6, and just a ton of success for multiple years at the Star City Games circuit. I'm going to choose Ely Cassis. Oh, yeah, we were playing uh, Teamer Adventures Mirror Match back when Teamer Adventures was a good standard deck. And I, I ran away with game one because his draw was terrible. We had an insanely close game two that I'm pretty sure he just played better than me and, and beat me. And then game three, he just steamrolled me. So <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Very nice. Okay, here we go. So this person has top-aided both a GP and a Pro Tour this is a fantastic streamer and ev- an even better player. The mythic Mebo herself from the USA. No, I was Allie Warfield. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> How are you gonna snake me again, man? I was debating. I was literally like, he's not gonna take Allie Warfield. There's no way. I was debating. I was like, I'm gonna pick her last, and I was like, wait, I need to pick her not last because I have a weird feeling that I'm not gonna get her. <laughs> I was watching her stream earlier this week, and she's playing a lot of historic, and she likes black green mid range decks. Yeah, so. I know, like, and she's been playing historic days. a lot recently and streaming it. And she started writing articles about historic for I think Card Kingdom. So oh, man, I thought that was a sure thing. So now that's like, I I also thought it was a sure thing. So man, two oh, drafts man, in a row, brilliant. two drafts. <laughs> 
making you sweat. This is great. I did not expect this. Okay. Um, well, you know what? I'm going to select, to counteract your, your previous snipe, I'm going to select another player from the Czech Republic. Okay. Um, this player is somebody who's basically just proven to me over the years that they are a master of strategy games. Because whenever a new card game came out, uh, like the Dota 1 artifact, this guy was immediately the best player of that game. Or a different, you know, when Hearthstone came out, they went and made a career in Hearthstone before coming back to Magic. You know, so they've just proven that it doesn't matter what the game rules are, they're going to beat you at it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose Stanislav Sivka. Okay. That's a, that's a good choice. That's, a, that's solid. I, feel like I, I think you might be working on a team with uh, Andre Strasky. Maybe? I know Ivan Flock works with uh, Andre, mm -hmm. so but I, I think they often have similar deck lists. So, I wonder if I can counterbalance your Strasky pick a little bit by if by the team does maybe or well or the whole team does well. Um, I get yeah. you. I get you. All right. So with my last pick, um, you know, I'm just trying to meet new people. You know, get out there. You know, feel around. After getting sixth place at the Pro Tour Ixalan, this player was added to the Magic Pro League only to be moved to the Rivals League later that year. So, looking to fight their way back in from Germany, Christian Hock. Good pick. Uh, man, I thought my fourth pick would be Ali Warfield for sure, and I'd be, you know. Well, I'm really, uh, I had, they were both. I was like, I can definitely wait until last. And I was like, I really want to make sure that I get her. Because <laughs> I've also been watching her stream recently, so it's been pretty fun. Um, yeah. I think she's great. So hopefully she uh, really just, you know, is on fire. She's going to probably play some sack deck, so. Yeah, and I think that's totally fine because, well, I won't give away too much, but I think about the meta percentage. I mean, we're kind of moving right into that, so let's just go straight in, I think. Right? What yeah, the... so... Uh, I pick, right? You, uh, it doesn't really matter. I already picked one. We haven't really been too firm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to change what I picked. Um, but though I do have a question mark in my mind, cause I'm like, I really don't know. I feel like I'm, I'd... yeah, I haven't played historic since I had the disappointing historic event. Yeah. Or two in a row kind of like, I was just kind of burnt out on it. Uh, I'm excited to watch it now. Hopefully it's changed a bit. I'm really excited to see them play it. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to say that uh, Sultai okay. is going to be That's my what better I was saying that too, yeah. Um, I just feel like they're going to bring it. I don't know if it's the right choice, but I feel like there's just, it just, when I think historic most of the time, I just think that deck. I don't know. I, I just feel like we're going to see a lot of it again, like we always do. I actually started playing Sultai um, just so I, I could get it a little bit better. Um, and I'm not great at it. <laughs> Go figure. It's a, you know harder to play uh, than I thought, but um, but yeah, I'm 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 expecting to see most of the players take uh, bring bring salt tie, So so yeah, uh, oh, oh, maybe I guess I should go. Am I going into top performance, or are we talking about this a little bit longer? I mean, th there's not too much more to say about metagame percentage. I think I think the wild card for me is how many because it's such a small event. Yeah, how many people are going to bring the paradox engine combo deck, right? I don't know. I, I So I have Matt Nass because I kind of was... I don't know if he's going to bring it or not. Um, mm -hmm. But I haven't seen it as much 
on the ladder as I did before, right after the arena open. Yeah, it's definitely a deck that is really hard to play, though. So if you're just kind it of is. a random Joe Schmo like us on the ladder, it's not necessarily exactly. worth picking. I mean, there's a bunch of people I think just like like it because it's a cool deck, and also wish boards are pretty fun. Um, mm -hmm. But f as far as top like performance goes, um, I'm kind of tied between... There's like two that I'm really looking at, and I just don't really know what I want to do. I, I kind of, I, oh gosh, it's so hard. Um, to me, it's either Junsac or Rakdos Arcanist. And I think it's hard because I play Auras, right? So Auras gets really screwed by uh, one of these decks, but not the other one. Um, and I know that's just not accurate. So I, <laughs> and I have this weird thing where I don't want to, pick Rakdos because of what happened the first time <laughs> where nobody <laughs> brought the deck. Um, but it has been yeah. winning SCG tournaments. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Junsack. I'm going to go Junsack. That's that's what I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll do it. You know what's interesting is I came in just... I'm either going to pick Rakdos, Arcanist, or Sultai. Yeah. So since you picked Junsack, let's, let's be more fun and I'll pick... If you picked Rakdos, Arcanist, I would have just picked Sultai, I think. Mm -hmm. but, so that we're not the same in both categories. But since you didn't, I'll pick Rakdos Arcanist. Okay. I actually do think it's a possibility that nobody brings it. Because stuff that is good at the Star City Games event level is mm -hmm. not necessarily good enough at the MPL level. Of course. I do kind of think Sultai is just the best deck. And it's so good that even though people know it's the best deck, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I think Rakdos Arcanist is decent against Sultai. I, and still yeah. has a good enough game against everything else. I mean, you get to so, Thoughtseize, like, you know, a bunch. So eight times, essentially. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I think it's a good deck. Uh, but I I just feel like Allie's going to play, <laughs> she's going to want to have some casualties of Warfield, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, play I, some, uh, some Jund. Or some, uh, but that's why I'm asking art. about the, how many people are going to bring the combo deck. Did you just apologize for your pun? That's, that's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would never <laughs> apologize for that. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. You know I love it. Um, yeah, but if if the combo deck is really prevalent, then Jun Sack's going to have a hard time. Totally. That's that's why I was asking about the combo I just deck. feel like it's not going to show up that much. I don't think that many... I think maybe two people will Yeah, I think two people are going to bring it. Um, but that's not enough to get top performance as we've decided, right? Right? We've yeah. decided that... No, but it will... Right. Like, if you, Jun Sack player has to play against the combo deck, they're... I think that deck... That's a really bad matchup for Jund. Yes. Oh, oh, for sure. So it's like, the more people that bring the combo deck, even if it's not going to be the most dominant deck itself, it's really going to hurt Jund's... Mm -hmm. Performance. I get that. Whereas Rakdos, I think, is good against the... Com or fine against the combo deck, because it just has so many thought seizes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just pulls all the pieces. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, but running it back, uh, I'm going to read off my... Uh, just my team, so everyone remembers. So I got... All right, let's hear it. PVDDR, Ray Sato, Andre Strosky, Matt Sperling, Matt Nass, Ali Warfield, Christian Hawk, Sultai Midrange, and Jun Sack. That's what my team looks like. Sounds like a good team. Yeah. I got Gabriel Nassif, Jean-Emmanuel Desprat, Reed Duke, LSV, Shintaro Ishimura, Ely Cassis, Stanislav Sis Sifka, Sultai, and Rakdos Arcanist. Yeah. 
This is going to be great. I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for this. Um, I'm really hoping to be wrong about Sultai being best, like, most popular and most dominant, but... That would be great, actually. It would... Well, okay. I, it would be great because that means Uro's not going to get banned before September. <laughs> <laughs> but if it does have the most people playing it and it wins the most, then that means that Uro probably has a higher chance of getting banned before September. Right. So... I don't like how you wrote Sultai mid-range, too. It's not a mid-range deck. Okay. Well, that's what they call that's it. That's why I wrote Sultai. I know that, but you can... Uh, I'm just... It's not how we do it over here. Uh, I, I'm, it's how I do it. We, we need to give me a segment where I just, like, rant about stuff, but how people hate mid-range now because of this deck, and it's, like, it's just a ramp deck. Yeah, isn't... It's not, it's not a mid-range deck at all. I thought that was just the whole podcast, though, right? It's just... <laughs> yeah, just me complaining. No, us <laughs> not complaining, but specifically explaining why certain things shouldn't be the way that they are. <laughs> right. <laughs> then we'll, we'll do a whole episode on what mid-range is, but it's not ramping up to hydroid crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you could play... Well, whatever. <laughs> mid-range changes its game plan based on what it's playing, yes. and I don't think this deck fits that, does though. That. It, it does, does the, the same, same thing, thing every Okay. That, yes, that makes sense. Um, I do agree on that. Um, but yeah, Jeff. All right, great draft. Great draft. I'm excited. Feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we... Uh, I feel good, too. We're, we're kind of chugging along. Um, I feel like we kind of are ready for another beer. I don't know if you are, but I, I feel like I am. So... Yep, me too. Let's do that. Jeff, are you ready to reveal what your beer is? Should we just do it on three again? I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah, I think so. All right, let me get to that. One, two, three. Yeah. Hey, that's what I thought. Okay, um, <laughs> we both picked Nickelbrook, the Metalhead. Um, yeah, it's good. Double IPAs. The double. It IPA. is good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I was actually pretty disappointed with the um, the Eight Man, mm-hmm. Nathan McKinnon. You know, come on, you, your brother's <laughs> got to make a better beer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the. I don't know if he is one of the McKinnon brothers, but... uh, He's a McKinnon brother. (laughs) Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know if if he he has any siblings. I have no idea if he has any siblings. I don't know either. Like, oh, you don't? Really? Wow. Are you a hockey fan? I just know that he's uh, started in the Timbits, because Tim Hortons has mentioned that to me several times. Mm. Yeah. So let's get to it. Let's get cracking. Let's start with the beer that we chose, probably. Nickelbrook Metalhead. Double IPA. Uh, Jeff, how do you feel about this beer? You brought it. Um, where does it go on the scale? Yeah, I brought it. I've never tried it before tonight. Uh, Same. And we were kind of talking about it a little bit during the beer break. Nickelbrook, most of their standard kind of stock mm-hmm. beers, like uh, Cause and Effect, Naughty Neighbor, we're actually not the biggest fan of. But usually their special releases end up being pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I consider this one of them. Uh, it's a double IPA kind of has a bit of fruitiness going on but not mm-hmm. too much um, but it's one of those beers that's nine percent but doesn't really taste like it so it's it actually a bit dangerous yeah. yeah i think it's pretty dangerous um also the thing is like i'm not the biggest fan of like uh super hoppy in your face like bitter beers um and usually double ipas tend to be um actually not as intense on the hoppy side they're just uh the mouth feel is very visceral um right and like obviously the alcohol is higher, but this one will sneak up on you, and it is just real tasty. I was 
pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, it's one of those, like, off... One of those uh, things that throws most people off is that the stronger beers are actually usually less hoppy. Mm-hmm. Even though people associate hops with beers that are a bit stronger, once you go past into the next range of even stronger, yeah. they're actually less hoppy because the alcohol balances the Exactly, exactly. The hops. Yeah, because if this was like 7%, um, you'd probably taste it a lot more. Um, but right. yeah, I don't know, Jeff. I'm, I'm leaning towards Diamond with this. I really... I would like... I was thinking the same thing, actually. I, I think I would probably pick it up again. I I give it uh, some extra some extra juice because the 9%, you know, I always like something a little bit more intense, um, especially if you're getting <laughs> yeah. something special, like, you you know, oh, we'll, we'll get this one, so... Um. I will say I can really taste the citra hops in this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I call citra hops the cheater hops because mm. it's like, it just tastes so good that <laughs> it's hard to... If you use a lot of citra, it's hard to make the beer not good. Yeah. But... Hey, why not use it? Yeah, I think it's great. I really like it. But how about the uh, McKinnon Brothers 8-Man English Pale Ale? Yeah, so I have a, like, I want to say relationship. That's not really a relationship. I, wanna, I was going to say I have an interesting relationship with McKinnon Brothers. Just in the fact that um, I went to a school in a uh, city called Kingston. Mm-hmm. McKinnon Brothers, they own a farm very, very close to there. And so in Kingston, there's a lot of McKinnon Brothers stuff. And I've also heard stories about them where, like, my mom went to a uh, craft beer festival to try some of the local craft beers. And she went to all these different places, and the people giving her the beer knew nothing about the beer and were really rude. Mm. But then when she went to the McKinnon Brothers kind of tent, it was actually one of the McKinnon Brothers that was there. And he was really excited to talk about what they did in this beer and what they did in that mm-hmm. one and have her keep trying all these different things. So she really, like... Like, there's a lot of reasons to really like the McKinnon Brothers as a brewery. Yeah, But I course. haven't had a beer from them that I really, really loved, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's like that weird dichotomy where I want to really like this brewery. I have all these re- social reasons of to course. love it. Yeah. But uh, I just... But the beer I is just... don't mean... love yeah. any of their beers that I've tried. I've only tried a couple, to be fair. But I just don't love them. Yeah, um, and you know, I, I haven't. I've never heard of them before. I just kind of picked this up, and I I agree. The uh, I do like the aesthetics of the actual uh, can, but as far as the beer went, it was very underwhelming. It wasn't even like mm-hmm. I'm not always the biggest fan of like English pale ales because sometimes it just has like a there's something with the malts or something. I'm not exactly sure what it is that usually is not. Um, it, it's a characteristic of that beer that I'm slowly uh, finding. Um, that I like it a little bit better, but this one didn't really have that characteristic at all, but also not a lot of other things going on. It felt just um, a little flat to me. Um, yeah, I'd say a little flat is kind of how I felt about it. And I like English pale ales. Like you're saying, English basically means it's supposed to be a little heavier on the malt, mm-hmm. less hoppy, so you should be tasting more of the body and less of the, the topping. Totally. Um, but they have another one that's a red ale. Mm. It's called Red Fox. And I just, I want to love that beer because I love Amber's mm-hmm. and I, I want to like McKinnon Brothers. And I just don't like that beer very much. I think it just falls, like you're saying, falls flat is kind of the perfect It's word. just like... So I get excited by it every time. I'm like, a brewery I really want to support and a te- beer style I really want to support. But I just don't like it's this not, beer, yeah. unfortunately. Um, I would have no problem drinking it if it was just around, but... 
I'll, I'll probably never. I, I well, from your story, I'll definitely go check it out if I'm ever around. I definitely want to meet those people because they seem great, and that's exactly the kind of um, brewery environment I want to be around. And I, you know, that's just wonderful. Um, and we should support more people like that. But it is hard at the same time. We're like, you seem so great, but like I wish your product was just like there's something more, and it's. And I want to be nice yeah. to you because you're so nice to me, but I want you to also know that you would be so much better if something was different. So don't keep doing what you're. I don't know. It, right. that, it's like it, whatever they're looking for in a beer, it's not quite the same as what I'm looking for in a yeah. beer. That's but what, what they're, what I'm looking yeah. for in a brewer, as far as a person goes, right. is what they're giving yeah. off. So that it's kind of awkward. Um, I don't know. I don't want to. So with that, it it is difficult. But um, as far as to the be beer, fair, I don't think it's terrible. But I think this is like a gold. It's for sure beer. a gold. Like gold, and and I probably won't remember it. You know, a year from now, if you ask me, hey. Have you tried this? I'll be like, no. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, even though we did it on the podcast, so that's kind of a bummer. But um, but I'm glad to hear that there uh, there's some uh, good family business. I, I do like uh, family business that the yeah, and have, everything so. I've heard being in Kingston, like of people mm-hmm. who had to deal with them personally, said similar things. Yeah, you know? so that's good. All right, well, we got a diamond and a gold. Um, I'm bringing in some strong ones. You know, some good, good old. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. Got to lose sometimes, right? I'm going to win this league weekend uh, draft, so I, I feel... Yeah, like yeah, that. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we kind of close up the uh, the podcast here, I did want to quickly just jump back to one of the cards from the new set that we got uh, spoiled, which is pretty exciting to me. Um, we have Vorinclex Monstrous Raider. Uh, so if you haven't seen this, it got leaked a little bit, um, but it was spoiled at the end of the announcement video so it's four green green for six six trample haster and i'm not going to read all of it but basically it makes your counters have twice as many counters and your opponent's counters half as many counters so it's like plus one plus one counters yeah any any sort of uh, not uh counter spells yeah oh sorry uh yeah so it's like (laughs) plus one plus one counters ability counters which don't matter um loyalty uh counters uh things like that well it matters because your opponent can't get ability counters basically yes uh but you can't get double well you can you get double loyalty or sorry ability counters but it doesn't really matter double Um, flying anyway um the big reason it's important and not uh, the card itself i think is fine is you know it is what it is and i'm I'm not really worried about it uh, being too overpowered or anything but um number one I like Phyrexian stuff, and the Praetors are pretty freaking cool, and I really like them. Um, specifically Vorinclex, because I have one <laughs> that I really like, uh, that nobody likes. I'm waiting for Elishnorn, So Yeah. Uh, as soon as that happens, uh, Elishnorn's pretty pretty bonkers most of the time. Um, Shieldred. Yeah. Oh, Shieldred's great. Actually, I have that one, too. Oh, I love the Praetors. They're so good. Except for the red one. <laughs> it's terrible. But hopefully, Eurobrass gets, uh, gets a little bump up. Uh, but basically... There is a Phyrexian on call time, which is nuts, kind of, because what are they doing there? Right. I, I think know. it's not telling us much about this set, but future sets. Yeah, so this is the rumor. Okay, so I don't think that we're going to get the other Praetors spoiled in this set specifically. I think we're actually going to get one of each of the Praetors spoiled in one of the each uh, sets after this. So we're going to get one of the Praetors in Strixhaven, one of the Praetors in um, Fallen, uh, sorry, Forgotten Realms, 
uh, and then one of the Praetors in the Innistrad vampires. Maybe two in Innistrad. Yeah, maybe yeah. vampires, and then another one in werewolves. And then we're going to go back to New Phyrexia in the new year. Um, so if you liked New Phyrexia, possibly that might be a thing that happens. But also, uh, like we were saying before, don't get too excited for a set that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you have no idea. We have no idea, but it would be plus. Fun. It's likely to be an artifact set, which are traditionally busted. Busted, which I'm so for, as you know. Give me that busted <laughs> crap, and then I'll bust it, and then give me the wild cards because yeah, anything I can do to get a wild cards. <laughs> Sorry, I said full of omnaps with no color restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do. Um, but I do like this. I mean, obviously they did this with. Um, uh, the Eldrazi uh, back in Battle for Zendikar. Um, I think it's cool bringing things that are from that. That one isn't specifically from somewhere else, but like a character that we know, and then having one of each of them in separate sets is kind of fun to me. Where like this is the set where this yeah. one came out, and this is the set where this one came out. Um, I like that buildup. It's quite nice. Um, instead of going plus, I think like the there. Phyrexians are just cooler. Story wise, than the Eldrazi. Uh, Instead of like, yeah. I don't know, these are aliens from another realm. There's actually a bit of history and backstory. And, exactly. And they've also know, been around forever, which is the other thing. Like, I grew up and Phyrexians were already around while I saw that Eldrazi were a thing. Also, the Eldrazi are just like, just big, dumb fucking things. I don't know. Nah, yeah. The Phyrexians, I like, I, I really don't like Eldrazi. But you're right, I, I, there is a nostalgia factor because I grew mm -hmm. up on the Phyrexians as being the big, big bad. I like Invasion so had cool. come out before I started playing, so I would look back. And before that even. I don't know. It's yeah. just been around forever, so I really like uh, that, and I'm excited to go back to that whenever we do that. Um, but I think that is our last call, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... This is the end. Ha, 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 ha. Don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the amount of times when I was closing my bar that I worked at in San Francisco, and that was the song I would close with. It was <laughs> fantastic. And the amount of people who didn't get the hint um, was also remarkable. That you just like, like I'm literally just telling you it's just in song it's form. It's been on repeat for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. How do you not know that you have to... It's closing Turning time. up the lights is usually a hint, too. I try that. It doesn't work. <laughs> Sweeping around them also doesn't work. You have to go up to them. It, because they're drunk. You have to go up to them hey, and be like... get out. Go. And they're like, oh, sorry, man. I was like, the lights are on. I'm sweeping around you. No one's here. <laughs> this song's been on repeat for an hour. How did get you... Out. I was trying to be as subtle as possible and be really nice about it, but like, go away. Um, anyway... <laughs> We're ending the show now. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to reach us and talk about how much you love closing time, <laughs> uh, you can reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and hey, maybe you might run into us on MTG Arena itself. Look out for us, username Arena Regulars Podcast. Yes, and we'd also love any um, reviews you could give us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anything uh, you can find us. Please follow us or give us, you know, five stars or whatever you think is appropriate, which is five stars probably. Um, <laughs> that would be great. We also have a YouTube channel that we're uh, starting to put all of our. Um, episodes on so uh, go check that out if you feel like it and yeah i think that's uh that's the end of this episode and we will see you next week uh for the results of our fantasy draft spoiler i'm gonna win uh i'm pretty sure you're not 
All right, that's fine.